Hey, welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend Carter. And today we are talking about building a second brain. So picture this, Carter. I'm in the mountains. It's like the most snow they've had in 50 years. And it is really cold. I'm in a jacket. I've got a shovel and I'm just shoveling snow in this driveway. And there has been like a machine that's shoveled this driveway. So there's all of this snow that's just like a a hard line on the sides of the driveway. But then we're kind of shoveling the fresh stuff and trying to get, you know, get some of it because the uh, machine didn't get everything. And so I'm just out there. I'm here with you. I can see it. You can see it, right? Smell of pine drifting across the snow. You have a little flex of... Of, of snow crystallized on your beard. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I, you know, I step back and sigh as I listen to this episode of the Tiago Forte podcast, Building a Second Brain, for the first time. So this is like a year ago. And it's just so funny because there's a whole longer story of like getting stuck up in the mountains in the craziest storm and getting COVID and all this stuff. And anyways... I remember on that trip, I listened to the Building a Second Brain podcast. And so that was my kind of my gateway into, well, I had heard about the idea before, but it was my gateway into the specifics of this this guy, Tiago Forte, who is kind of carved out and working in, in this niche of, uh, I think it's knowledge management. And so he's got, check out his podcast after this to kind of get more of a in-depth thought, you know, on his frameworks and ideas. But that's kind of what, that's the backstory for me of how I got into some of this stuff and learned about it. And I thought that'd be kind of just a funny story to share as we get into what in the heck is building a second brain? What does that mean? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's great. I think I, I love that you have that distinct memory. I think I ran across Forte's work on the art of manliness podcast with Brett McKay last year too. So I wonder how close, I mean, I remember that crazy trip that y'all had, but I, I remember maybe these things happened somewhat near each other, but the idea of building a second brain is so compelling. And I think I'm starting to appreciate the idea of like knowledge management more and more. I actually, I just watched a small video from, is it Matt Devella? Diavella, I think. Diavella, yeah. He was talking with, is it Matt Halliday or Holiday? I don't even Ryan know. Ryan Holiday? Ryan Holiday. Matt Holiday's yes. a baseball player that I always <laughs> mix him up with. Not to um, be confused with the author uh, of, of many books on stoicism. <laughs> exactly. And so they were talking about just the problem of reading something. And Devella was talking about reading something and then coming back to it even a couple months later and being like, what the heck was this about? Do I, can I remember anything about it? And this issue of how do we catalog our experience with knowledge in a way that is accessible? And, and one of Forte's, I mean, his answer to that question is building that second brain, that repository of knowledge that you don't have to hold yourself, but is there accessible, searchable, organized whether that be physical or digital, Ryan Holiday's was physical with note cards. Forte's is digital, if I remember correctly. But the idea of this being the solution to 
how we can, I don't know, have better retention, have better recall, and have the sources ready so that we're not kind of scrambling, oh, what was that quote? What was that thing? Uh, And just making it searchable. So I think it's a hugely important thing that I'm trying to get better at. Yeah, I remember he has this whole, I mean, the big thing is just organize and save everything you work on. That's like the big idea that I take away is just always store things away for later and remember that you have them so that you can use them and and so that you don't have to remember the specifics of things. But then, so I, I've definitely, like I use, we should get into this actually, like what we use to yeah. do this, like tools and stuff. But I haven't done as much of the, he has this thing called the para method. I had to look it up because I haven't really used this part, but it's projects, areas of responsibility, resources, and archive. And so projects like series of tasks linked to a goal with a deadline, area of responsibility, a sphere or activity of activity with a standard to be maintained over time, a resource, a topic or theme of ongoing interest, and an archive, inactive items from the other three categories. So it's kind of, have you used that at all? I totally forgot. I, I used that once I heard about it and I've been using it for, I don't know, eight months, nine really? months. So I forgot that this that. was That's him. Awesome. I'm still using it and it's totally change my desktop. So I'm just using it on my desktop, going from files kind of everywhere to things having a home. And it's been a really great way to organize. I mean, it's pretty comprehensive. So a lot of things moving out of the projects folder, but resources, archive getting there. So far, it's been working great. So I can firsthand say. So area of responsibility, is that like husband, teacher, like, you know, marketer, like whatever your roles are, like, what is that? <laughs> You're going to laugh. I just opened up that folder. <laughs> There's nothing in it. <laughs> <laughs> you have no responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. I think it's something like that. I could probably move some of my teaching material from projects. I also use Google drive to hold most of my teaching material. So I could potentially move that under areas of responsibility I think. Oh, yeah. I see his examples here. Oh, what did he say? Health, finances, professional development, travel, hobbies, friends, apartment, car. So it's, it could be sort of like projects, but it's more like, it's like, yeah, I'm responsible for the car. So this is where I keep all my car stuff. Yeah. And I, I should, I should bulk that up too. And I've got some things in resources that I think there can be some overlap. And he might actually talk about that, but it really gives you the structure for a comprehensive scaffolding to put things. And so I, I could, I don't I just pretty much have it on my computer to manage documents mostly, but you could easily extend this into a more comprehensive life organization system pretty easily. And so I haven't done that yet, but it's worked really, really well last semester for keeping things off just out of the ether and more into a place where I can go find it. And and that's something that I think is so important about the second second brain is it just makes things findable. And mm-hmm. we live in a cool time where you don't have to flip through the pages to find it. If you've got a digital document, you just hit command F and you can go find the key word, right? It's just really, yeah. really helpful. Yeah. I think it's just the idea of Re, re, it kind of goes back to that compound interest study we've talked about where it's like 
the work that I do today can be saved and then invest, you know, over time can become more valuable as I build a library of projects that I can reflect on and get inspiration from, or, you know, research work that I've done that can impact the writing that I'm doing down the road or songs that I wrote that could be repurposed, like just different things in your creative world where you can, you can put in the work now and then maybe reap the benefits down the road later, even like collecting quotes and things like that. The hard part about it is just like the organization for me, like just staying on top of it and having yeah. things in different places. Like I've, I use notion for a ton of stuff, like mm-hmm. personal to-do list. That's kind of my second brain. That's where all this stuff lives. But then I have Google drive and I have, you know, yeah. things in my email, things in my photos on my phone. Like there's just all these different places. So that's, what's tricky for me. Yeah, the consolidation is tough because I agree. It's same thing here. Notion is becoming a big part of my academic life. I've been using yeah. that for classes to compile notes and resources. So that's been really helpful. And I'm actually using, I've kind of got an ideal second brain task coming up with my exam. I've got about 115 or so texts that I'll be responsible to be able to talk about. And with that much material, Notion has been awesome. So I've got my reading list. I'm making notes. You know, I've got some some strategies. Depends on whether it's a you know I'm, I'm talking about poetry and I'm trying to pull out specific verses, or I'm making notes about the style of the novel. But it's a great place to compile those things. And so that's so, a, that's a task that's just it would be impossible to do if you didn't do some sort of second brain. Yeah. So what is you mentioned too the other day that you. Saw that Ryan Holiday thing with the note card system and how, so basically just for anyone who hasn't heard, it's kind of like this big box of note cards where he, as he, he reads a book, he highlights things as he reads. He goes back afterwards with a bunch of note cards, writes down the quotes that he liked, puts them in organized folders, and then goes back to those for his research process and for his writing later. Are you going to do that kind of thing? Yeah, it's pretty much what I'm doing. Just through Notion. Instead. Just through Notion. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I'll make physical note cards to study when it comes closer to the exam. But right now, it's just Notion's a great way. And you can visualize it so many different ways, which is helpful. And I'm just a lot mm-hmm. faster typing than I am writing long form. And yeah. you got to put it somewhere. And so that's one of the things that, you know, I love reading. I love analog things, but I like, <laughs> I like digital note taking just because mm-hmm. it's so sortable and searchable. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's honestly all I had to say about it. I mean, it's a good, like, cool concept to share. And I I don't know, uh, I guess I'm I'm not sure how I'm going to apply this this year to like, for me to music. I'm curious if you have any ideas on how how to apply this idea practically. I think I'm going to start using the pair method. I want to try that for sure. Well, yeah, I was actually going to ask you if, if, if you see yourself trying to consolidate the different areas, I don't know where exactly you, I mean, I don't know what the ring is that rules them all here, but I don't know. I might try to do some of that. I definitely think the para method is really helpful. And so I don't, I don't anticipate leaving that. And that'll probably be something this year that I'll continue to try to move the latitude, move the boundaries past just kind of my professional academic work into mm-hmm. tax documents and all these 
health things and sundry of of different things that we need to keep organized. So that's for yeah, me. I'll probably expands, lean into that. So definitely expands outside of the creative space, but it's a really cool tool to use to organize your creative life and your projects for whatever that craft is for sure. And this goes right I will, along. I think I will probably I don't know that I'll consolidate anything, but I think I will just keep refining what I have and investing in the systems more and then try to use the pair method. I feel like you're good at the system tracking. Like even with I know you're diligent with ebooks and highlights and compile them and I know you've been doing I don't know if you're still doing it, but summaries of books that you've made and oh, yeah. pulling out quotes. I mean, I feel like you were you're pretty yeah, good I was at systematizing to do that for those. A I haven't I can make it too big of a project and then I like don't have time yes. to do it. So it's like yes. really tough, but I have to try to keep it like what are the top few points of this book? Because if I try what I like to do though is go chapter by chapter and be like, here's the main thing of this chapter, here's the main thing mm. in that chapter. But that's honestly then I like don't do it because it's just too much work. So. I think that's a great point because, yeah, I'm one of those people that can sink way too much time in note taking because mm-hmm. I want a comprehensive collection of notes. And it just, I mean, it's just slow and it can be a, a real chore. So I think it depends what you're trying to get out of a text. And actually, it's what I tell my students in the kind of introduction to reading conversation that I have at the beginning of the semester with these freshmen you got to have an idea of what you want to get out of the text because you don't read text the same way. I mean, if you're looking at a textbook, right, you're not trying to have an aesthetic experience with it like you would if you were sitting down to read, you know, a Robert Frost poem or something like that. So you got to kind of have to come to, okay, I'm reading this nonfiction book. I don't need to read it that closely. I need to get the big points. I'm trying to extract some knowledge from it where that's not going to be the same experience if you're reading a novel or something. So I think part of the second brain too is having some flexibility where you don't treat everything the same. And I guess you just got to kind of work that out. Yeah, definitely. Is song maps a second brain? I actually think it is. I think that it's kind of like a trying to organize my ideas of how production works and what makes songs work. So, well, I think this is good, man. I think it's a cool little tip to kind of just share, pop in, pop out. And, you know, good reminder for me to like think about that this year and hopefully helpful for other people to learn about too. Yeah. Go check out Tiago Forte's stuff. We'll link to his website in the description. Yeah, and he has a good podcast. They're like nine-minute episodes each. They're really short. Oh, really? Good for shoveling snow. So, yeah. Cool. Well, on that note, thanks, man. This is great. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, 
send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, really, word of mouth is going to be the, the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.